Well, I know that you know that Christmas isn't about stuff. In fact, I've rarely talked to anybody that claims that material possessions are what Christmas is about. But I also know, and you probably know, that sometimes actions represent underlying beliefs. In other words, we may say that Christmas isn't about what's under the tree, but our spending habits actually tell a different story. According to a survey done by Retail Insider, which is a Canadian online retail publication that claims to be the most read of all online retail publications. You can fact check that. Fact check that. I don't know if that's true or not. But uh, they did a survey that showed that the average 18 to 25 year old is planning to spend $1,216 this holiday season in 2020. For some of you, you're thinking that's crazy. But that is the average. Now catch this. This number of $1,216 this holiday season is nearly $200 more than their boomer counterparts. Now, why is this significant? Well, in Canada, the average annual income for 18 to 25 year olds was $44,093 in 2019 compared to the boomers' average annual income of 67802 Okay, so listen, and I want to say this, that actually in 2020, uh, uh, 18 to 25-year-olds are actually planning to spend less uh, than they did last year. So even though the, the income is from 2019, we can still put it over here. So just listen to this. So 18 to 25-year-olds are spending more this Christmas than the older generations while making $24,000 less overall. Do you see the problem? Whether we see it in ourselves or not, there is a pile of pressure to accumulate, to buy our way into happiness, to use material items as a measure of our worth. We're going to take a look at one of the seminal scriptures for Christianity. It's really the beginning of this connection to God that has endured for 2,000 years. So let's open to Luke uh, chapter 2, uh, verses 1 to 21. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Curianus was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger." because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. 
And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. This passage is the version we read most often at Christmas for a reason. It's concise, but includes some very important details. Luke's brief account of Jesus' birth emphasizes three things. He described the political situation to explain why Jesus was born in Bethlehem. This sets Jesus' birth in a context of world history and anticipated his cosmic significance. Second, Luke connected Bethlehem with David to show that Jesus qualified as the Messiah. Do you remember Isaiah from, a few, uh, from last week? Finally, he presented Jesus' humble beginnings, which introduced the themes of Jesus' identification with the poor and rejection. You see, Jesus' birth wasn't an abstract idea. It was a real historical event that included a physical birth. Now, you may remember last week, uh, we talked about the Polar Express, which I hope you actually watched the movie, and if not, you should. But this week, we're going to use uh, a Charlie Brown Christmas to build the foundation for our time together. Uh, This classic movie portrays all the stress and chaos that many of us are familiar with during the Christmas season. And one of the first things said in this short movie is from a frustrated and a sad Charlie Brown explaining, I just don't understand Christmas, I guess. Over and over again in the movie, Charlie Brown seems to mess up the grand plans everyone else has made. The kids are vocally disappointed that he's directing their Christmas production, and he confirms their low expectations all along the way. His final mistake is choosing a tiny Christmas tree that can barely hold up a single ornament. It's an iconic scene that many people remember, and every time we see a scraggly, weak little tree, it reminds us of the Charlie Brown tree. Anyways, nothing goes on as the other children think it should. Or, sorry, nothing goes as the other children think it should. It, it, it's just like the real Christmas story. Expectations are upended, the object of celebration ends up being small and unassuming, and the director of the play makes choices that confuse everyone else. Luke's telling of the Christmas story also gives us a particularly pointed picture of the way God is often working. It's smaller, humbler, and quieter than we expect. And the loud, rich, and powerful are the ones that miss what God is doing. In an article for Desiring God, David Mathis uh, writes this. He says, Here, from the very beginning, as God moves to give a Savior for all people, he does it not on the world's terms, according to popular expectation, but in his own surprising, mysterious, and marvelous way. 1 Corinthians 1.27 says it in a similar way. It says, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Let's look at it another way. The announcement of this long-awaited Savior comes not to kings and emperors, but to simple shepherds. And the Messiah himself comes as a child, even as a weak and fragile infant. And he comes into a humble working-class family. 
At the end of A Charlie Brown Christmas, an exasperated Charlie Brown famously asks, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? After Linus recites the Christmas story from the passage, Charlie Brown goes out to decorate his little tree, commenting that Linus is right. I won't let all this commercialism ruin my Christmas. The impact of consumerism and commercialism on Christmas is often lamented, but it's not without good reason. Most of the busyness and stress of this season stems from expectations that are more born out of Hallmark movies and department store advertisements than religious observance. I wonder sometimes, our scripture can point us toward a celebration that focuses on uplifting the poor and humble and giving away the abundance many of us have. So why don't we listen? Last week we looked at Isaiah 9, and while it reminds us of the power and the authority of Jesus, we must not forget that he was also a refugee living under an oppressive foreign rule and born to parents that had to flee to save his life. A man named Krish Kandia says it this way, Jesus was born into a world of countrywide conflict, domestic discord, and personal poverty. From his very birth, he was identified with the persecuted, the illegitimate, the homeless, and the marginalized. The forgotten side of the Christmas story helps us to see something of what it means to find God in the wrong place at the wrong time. Charlie Brown's Christmas tree doesn't match expectations just as Jesus didn't often match the world's, and just as he often doesn't match ours today. Christmas is an important opportunity to celebrate the unexpected ways that God works and the focus he has on the marginalized and poor around us. Let's pray. Father, we ask that today from wherever we're watching this video, would you help us to understand the meaning of Christmas? God, would you help us to see through all the, the pomp and the frills of this holiday season and see through to the meaning of the story? Not that you just came, God, and that you're the conquering king, but that the way that you came as a baby in oppression to a simple family in a small part of the world that really was meaningless in every other way. And God, would that encourage us to hold on in this season to remember that if we're fighting difficult times, if we're going through hard stuff right now, that God, it's no different than what you did. And you know exactly. God, it's why you sent your son Jesus is so that you could know what we're going through intimately and personally. Father, I thank you for the work that you do. I thank you that you sent Jesus. And God, I pray a rich blessing over every person that hears my voice. God, that you would be with us and that you would walk with us and you would return our focus to where it matters on the real meaning of Christmas. Amen. Just like last week, we're going to put some questions on the screen for you to discuss.